Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellenbecker Investment Group, three-time recipient to the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for Business Ethics and Integrity. The Ellen Becker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sense Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Julie Ellenbecker, the president of the Ellen Becker Investment Group. And Ellen Becker Investment Group is located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive. We're in the Town Bank building. We also have a second location in the village of Whitefish Bay. We're in the Equitable Bank building there. Most people know exactly where we are when I tell them we are kitty corner from the Sendex and right across the street from Winkies. So if you'd ever like to put a face with a voice, feel free to stop in our office anytime and uh, we'll be happy to introduce ourselves. We are also now able to service clients in Bonita Springs, Florida, and most of the clients want to be serviced there in January, February, or March because, of course, those are the most ideal times to be out of Wisconsin and in Florida. So you can certainly reach out to anybody at our office if you'd ever like to meet there as well. And if you would like to take a look at our office location and get a tour of our, either of our offices or our education center, you can check us out at ellenbecker.com. And we've got all of our virtual tours on there, as well as past radio shows, newsletters, and a lot of really great information if you'd like to learn more about Ellen Becker Investment Group. So my guest today is Diane Gastrow. She's been a guest on Money Sense several times and is actually an employee of Ellen Becker Investment Group for the last several years. She's the director of our insurance planning division and is available to work with all of our clients on reviewing current policies, identifying any needs that uh, they might have from an insurance perspective, and then maintaining and reviewing those policies as time goes on. Diane is often on our Money Sense radio show and also writes uh, quite frequently in our newsletter. So if you'd like to uh, get more information on Diane, you can check in several of those places. Uh, But today we're going to talk really kind of a broad-based approach on insurance. We're going to touch base on all the different types of insurance that are available to investors, as well as how to decide what might make the most sense for you and your personal needs. We're also going to talk about the process of applying for insurance and the underwriting uh, process. Sometimes that can seem a little daunting, and so hopefully we can put some clarity around that. And then we're going to also review what not to do with your insurance policies because there's quite a few things that have come to light lately with us and some articles that have been posted and information that has been out there about some insurance mistakes. And so we're hoping that we can share some of that information with you as well. So we'll take a quick break. And when I return, I will introduce you to Diane Gastrow. I also have Karen Ellenbecker with me today, my mother and uh business partner and and friend for best friend for as long as I've been alive and she's going to jump in as well on some conversation around insurance we're excited to announce that this uh Radio show is coming to you today from the new Ellen Becker Investment Group studio that we have uh, built and created in our Pewaukee office. So we're all sort of across the table together and learning not only about our new studio, but going to learn a lot about insurance today, too. So we'll be right back. 
welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Julie Ellenbecker, president of the Ellenbecker Investment Group. And as I shared with you right before the break, I have two guests with me today. One is Karen Ellenbecker, a senior wealth advisor at Ellenbecker Investment Group, but more importantly, the founder and my mother. And uh, so we're going to talk a lot about insurance today and kind of how it fits into an overall financial plan. Diane Gastrow, who is the director of our insurance planning division, is also here with me today. And she's uh, an experienced interviewee. She's been on the radio show many times. And we're going to jump right in and talk about insurance. Welcome, Diane. Hello, Julie. Thank you for having me on today. (laughs) You're welcome. And hi, Mom. You know, it's so nice having the studio here because it was always so hard for both of us to be out of the office and drive all the way to Beloit Road and and come back. And so now with it being right here, we can really interact together and it's a lot of fun. Doing the radio is a lot of fun with 28 years of experience. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) And doing it's just, it's fun to have us all here. It sure is. So, uh. So on the topic of fun, Diane, let's talk about insurance. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you know how fun it can be. (laughs) Yes, actually, you know, insurance is one of those things that is, is, I've heard it referred to as a necessary evil before. I've heard it referred to as, you know, a must-have. But it really is an important part of the overall financial plan. And we talk with every single one of our clients Um, about their insurance plan because we want to help identify all the risks that are out there and then come up with ways as a team that we can mitigate those risks, but also being very mindful of cost and some of the other things that that go into insurance planning. So Diane, when you sit down with a client, there's a lot of different types of insurance out there. And I know you do a really good job explaining the different types of insurance policies that are available for consumers to our clients when you get an opportunity to meet with them, but maybe share with our listeners today what types of insurance uh, are available to individuals and what are some of kind of the key benefits or bells and whistles of each type of policy. And Julie, what I would say is a very broad, comprehensive approach to insurance planning is to look at the peace of mind that the insurance brings to our clients and to their families if something unfortunate were to happen. And we look at life insurance, long-term care insurance, and disability income insurance. And all of them serve different needs in the family's planning and in their financial picture. From life insurance, I think it's always important to look at how much insurance someone should have to provide that peace of mind, to provide the income replacement, to provide debt payment, whatever might be needed for surviving family members if there's an unexpected and unfortunate death. So very often... Clients will look at term life insurance for that. You can get a lot of protection for a very minimal cost. Most clients don't realize how inexpensive term life insurance can be. Depending on their circumstances and their needs, we may lock in a premium for 30 years so that they can buy a plan, know that they will never have a rate increase, and they're going to have that peace of mind and family protection for 30 years. We can go as short as one year. We had a client within the last year that we met with that just needed one-year protection for business planning purposes. Anything in between is available. So term is really temporary to meet those temporary financial needs. All the things that you're earning money for while you're working, paying your bills, paying your mortgage, replacing lost retirement income if you pass away before retirement. I think that's a good point. A lot of people forget when they're trying to determine the amount of insurance to get, and we get that question all the time, and I know you've got really good worksheets to help people identify 
how much coverage they need, but we hear that all the time. I need to replace my income or I need to pay for my kid's college or pay off the house or a wedding. But something that is often forgotten is the retirement savings as well. You know, because when when you are trying to replace your income, you're replacing your future retirement as well. And I people always look at me like, oh, I never thought about that. And the other one that gets missed very often is many times we see a primary income earner and then maybe the other spouse spends more time at home or running the family and the family events and discounting the value to the family for those services and if they had to be replaced by an outside vendor of some sort, Mm -hmm. if you had to bring in child care or bring in housekeeping services, things like that. Yeah, I see that too. Oftentimes people will say, well, I don't have an income. And I say, well, you don't have an income, but you certainly have a value. And and um, and it does, it makes a huge impact if somebody can no longer provide those services to their home. They need to replace that. So. so term life insurance is a very affordable temporary life insurance policy that we think is an important component of the insurance plan. Then we talk about permanent life insurance. And permanent life insurance is designed to be there as long as you're alive. There's a couple different types of permanent life insurance depending upon your client's cla- or client's cash flow, their protection needs today and into the future. We may look at a large policy for legacy planning to leave something for uh, family members, or maybe we're looking at something that's not quite as large but is an important component of an unexpected death in the retirement years. So permanent life insurance can be whole life insurance, which many people are familiar with, Another alternative is universal life insurance. And within the universal life family, there's ways to invest it in fixed accounts or actually have your cash values in the market. So it can be very complex, which leads me to the next point that I have is don't try to do it alone. Yeah. Bring in a specialist who understands your financial picture. And that's what I like about what I do here at the Ellen Becker Investment Group is I get to integrate insurance planning into the financial plan for a big picture overview. Well, and when one of the things people often lose sight of it, when we're talking about life insurance is the likelihood that during your working years, you have a greater chance of becoming disabled than you actually do dying. And I know that's another important component that you look at very closely. And, you know, a number of our clients have work-sponsored life insurance policies as well as disability income policies but very few people really understand what those policies offer, the protection for the client, who's paying for what premiums on what protection, and especially on the disability income policies, they may only get a fraction of their income replaced by that policy, and then it might be taxable. So they really need to look at how does that reduced income affect their family if they're unable to work because of accident or illness. So you talked about life insurance, you know, long-term care versus permanent insurance. And I know we'll dig in a little deeper to what that looks like, as well as disability insurance being an an option. What other types of insurances do you work with our clients on? We do work on long-term care planning. And a large portion of what I do is help people understand what long-term care would mean to them if they had a long-term care event. Who would provide the care? What would the cost be? Helping them understand statistics of who might need care. And then just have a meaningful discussion so they can make an informed plan. We have traditional long-term care insurance policies that provide a tremendous amount of protection and peace of mind. 
But over the last five years or so, we've really been focusing a lot more on life insurance policies that you can spend while you're alive to pay for your long-term care services. So life insurance policies with a long-term care rider. Correct. Okay. So could when would it make sense to start looking at long-term care? Probably not the same time you're looking at term. Probably not. <laughs> I always say it's when you have the resources and the inclination to start planning for that next stage of your life. When you're in your 30s and you're paying for your home and saving for education, saving for retirement, there may not be a lot of leftover income to fund long-term care strategies. That's when you need the pure protection life insurance strategies. Very often our clients, when they get into their 50s, maybe mid-50s, some kids are already through college, getting close to the end of the mortgage payments. They're making better money than they probably ever had have in their lifetime. It's a good time to start having the discussion. So, of course, there's no one shoe fits all. That's true. But we very typically would not talk to a younger client in this accumulation phase, raising families um, with a lot of debt. We would typically not talk to them about long-term care insurance, but we would talk more about life insurance, term insurance, and disability insurance. Yes. And so I think that's the important thing as we do financial planning for our clients is that we need to look at each individual situation and try to determine what makes the most sense and when. Now, Diane, when you sit down with a client and look to do an insurance review, what do you need and what is your first step? My first step is to get a sense from their advisor what is important to the client, where are they in their plan. Are they heavily debt-ridden or do they have a lot of extra cash flow? Maybe they've inherited some money and they're looking for good strategies on how to position that for their future needs. So I get a good sense from the advisor's of where the clients might be in their planning. I'd like to get a sense of their insurability. Do they use tobacco or don't they use tobacco? Do they have any major medical conditions? Are they being taking any medications? Another thing people don't always think about is driving history or some of those lifestyle activities like jumping out of airplanes or um, scuba diving or maybe even doing some missionary work in a third world country. They all affect your insurability. So I like to get as much of that information as I can. And then information on what do they currently have, both both their individual policies as well as their employer-sponsored plans. And so once you get all that information, then you can create an inventory yes. of what they have and then review with them exactly what they currently have so that they can begin to make some decisions possibly on what they need. Yes. Now, I, before we take a break here, and I'd like to ask you, because one of the policies that we haven't talked about yet, as we're going through the entire kind of gamut of life insurance, starting out when you're young and in the accumulation phase, needing to protect for your loved ones, all the way to the long-term care piece, um, there's one other type of policy that I think sometimes gets overlooked. And this is something that, of course, you did not overlook when the first of your seven wonderful grandchildren uh, were born, and that's insuring children or grandchildren. Do you want to talk a little bit about what prompted you to do that and and kind of what you saw as the biggest advantage? Well, it's funny because when I was a child and my parents were looking at insurance, they would call it a death policy. (laughs) 
And to think about that kind of a policy for a child was just way beyond my scope of what I was thinking. But what I started to recognize was that most, many children are getting married later in life. And I think that's one of the hazards that you'll talk about later is that they don't really think about insurance until they have their children. And I'm finding that for my grandchildren, they're very independent, they're very much about doing their own thing, that they may not get married until they're in their 30s or 40s, start thinking about insurance, and they may not be insurable. And I know that, Diane, you had said that insurance companies are starting to really look at family history, and they're taking that into account. And so I look at having seven grandchildren. My youngest, I just paid Joe's policy today, who you said is just almost 20. And for him, it's a $50,000 policy that he can increase on any major event up to 250000 And I think I wrote a check for $278. And he can increase that without going through underwriting. Yes. So you've really locked in a future opportunity for him as yes. his needs change. Well, and when we talk about buying life insurance on young children, it does feel a little we- yeah. weird and dark. And, you know, it's hard to imagine needing um, life insurance on a young child. But if um, if something did happen, you know, it's not so much that you have life insurance on the child, but you have maybe a little cash flow that would come to you in the event that you needed to uh take some time off of work or you needed to do a career shift or you needed some extra funds for different different reasons. And so I think if we're looking at it just as a life insurance policy, there's still some huge benefits to it. But ultimately, the biggest benefit is that guaranteed insurability down the road. Well, and I worried. I, I think, well, if Joe gets married late in life and he has a family and he wants to have a family and he's like many have come into us and said, what are the things I need? And we say, well, we definitely would like to look at some life insurance to protect your spouse and your children. And then he has a medical test and he can't get it. Yeah. The I mean, that was right. my, that was my fear was that they wouldn't have the ability, wouldn't know about it. Children are getting married later, that they had something there to protect their family in the event that something happened to them. The guaranteed insurability is the reason that I think these types of policies yes. make sense. That way, if your child, you know, in their 20s or 30s, if they become a tobacco user or if they they haven't managed their weight well or if they have any other situation that or requires have, them to be on medication yeah, they get sick. Or, or an illness, um, this way we at least know that we can lock them in at the preferred rates. And so that's been something you did. And, and you know, I heard somebody say real recently to me that when they uh, co-signed on all of their child student loans, that they took li- a life insurance policy out on their daughter so that in the event that something happened, this daughter had about $300,000 in student loans. And they said that they would assist in making those payments and assist in making that part of their uh, financial plan. Mm-hmm. However, um, they took a life insurance policy out on her knowing that if something did happen to her and she was not able to pay those back over time, that that money would go back into their estate. So there's lots of reasons to evaluate life insurance and lots of reasons to pay attention to it. 
um, as we said earlier, don't do it alone. I think, Diane, you say that often. It's it's kind of as often as I say there's not one shoe that fits all um, because with insurance, it's really important to have somebody help you navigate through all the intricacies of it. So, And, and to look at the things that you don't necessarily think about. One of the, one of the big things, and I know you'll talk about this, is we'll talk about insurance and you'll say, do you have insurance at work? And they'll say, well, I think so. But I don't know. And how secure is your job? Well, how secure can jobs be? And people forget that when they leave work, they lose their insurance. Right. And so, and that's part of the whole inventory that we inventory. do with every client. So it's helping. It's helping you to think through all the things that are very simple and we know about, but they're not so simple for the average consumer. There's just so much information. And who really wants to get their head around all of it? Because <laughs> it is so much to get the head around. Yeah. yeah. And even beneficiary designations. We look at that for every policy we review, and it's amazing. I've run into clients that have ex-spouses mm-hmm. that are listed or on the beneficiary. Parents. parents. Yeah. yeah. So it's so important that we help get a starting point to put together today's plan moving forward. And most people don't think about the fact that they'll say, well, I have my estate plan and everything goes through my estate plan. But if you have beneficiary designations different than your estate plan, it trumps it. The beneficiary designations trump the estate plan. Yeah. So it's really important. I think that's the one (laughs) thing we want to say before we go to break is it is really important to evaluate all of this stuff very closely and look at it as it relates to your own personal situation, not what you hear on the radio or or the TV, because every situation is absolutely unique. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll jump into uh, underwriting and what that looks like. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Julie Ellenbecker, president of the Ellenbecker Investment Group. And my guest today is Diane Gastrow, and she is the director of our insurance planning services here at Ellen Becker Investment Group. She's been a guest on Money Sense several times and also a contributor to our newsletters. Diane hosts several events a year here for our clients and open to the public on different topics as it relates to life insurance. At Ellen Becker Investment Group, uh, we are really comprehensive financial planners. And so many times, and through the luxury of having our radio show and the ability to get information out to our listeners, we focus on all the different disciplines as it relates to financial planning. And life insurance is very, very important. We also talked a little bit about disability insurance, but insurance overall is a is a valuable component of the financial plan. And so we like to sit down with every one of our clients to make sure that their insurance, that they have the right insurance, first of all, that they are paying a fair premium for that insurance, and that all of their beneficiaries are coordinated with their overall estate plan. And so that's really the process we take as an advisor at a, at a higher level. And then we bring Diane in to sit down with each of our clients to do a comprehensive insurance review. And there's a lot of things that go into that. We talked before the break about the different types of policies. What I'd like to have you share with us now, Diane, is to tell us a little bit about what that process is. Uh, Karen Ellenbecker is also in the studio with me today, and she just recently talked about the policies that she put in place for her grandchildren. And there was underwriting that took place when we put those policies in place. There's underwriting with disability, there's underwriting with life, with long-term care, and that's sometimes the roadblock. It's either the roadblock that prevents people from wanting to explore insurance 
Or sometimes it really is the roadblock making it so that we can't get the exact policies that we'd like. And Diane, that's something that you work very, very closely with people on. You sort of advocate for them and hold hands while they go through the process. Could you describe what that process is like starting from the time that somebody maybe wants to explore going through with a new policy? Well, when we look at coverage, when we find a solution that might be a good fit in the financial plan, the first place we start is to fill out the application. And the application is going to include your basic statistics, name, date of birth, social security number, your income, things such as that. But more importantly, they're going to ask about some of your lifestyle choices and health history. Depending on if you're buying life insurance, disability insurance, or long-term care insurance, there's different concerns from the insurance company standpoint. For life insurance, they want to know how do you compare to the average person of your age, male or female. Are you average? Are you better than average? And it's, I run into a number of people that assume they can't get life insurance because they've had a past cancer history or they're being treated for a type 2 diabetes. What's really neat is that we have markets with about 40 different insurance companies that we can go to and try to find a carrier that would accept this risk at a reasonable cost for the right policy. There are occasionally times that we can't find a market, and in that situation then we look at what can we do to make certain the insurance they have in force right now is maximized. So we fill out the application. We submit it into the insurance company. Then most of the policies that our clients are looking at include either a telephone interview where someone from the insurance company will contact them and ask them a whole bunch of questions, who their doctors are, what tests have they had. You know, if you're in your 50s, have you had those age-related tests that your doctor's recommending you know, every five years or so, making certain that you're managing your health care as best you can. If you're on medications, are you compliant? If you're taking blood pressure medication, are your blood pressures still in line where they're supposed to be? So you're going to have the telephone interview or potentially an in-person paramedical exam. This is no cost to the client that's applying for the life insurance. Nor is it a commitment. Correct, correct. This is all just trying to get a firm offer from the insurance company where they're trying to make a fair offer to the client as this is what we're willing to offer you, where it's affordable to you to give value to what you're doing, but also fits within the risk tolerance of the insurance company. They do the paramedical exam, which involves very often taking your height and your weight. Not everybody likes to talk about their height and weight. (laughs) And it's amazing how broad the height-weight scales are. And there are what's called substandard uh, rates, that if you are considerably out of range for the height-weight ratio, maybe you can still get coverage. It's just not going to be as favorably priced. They take a blood specimen, a urine specimen. They're looking for nicotine. They're looking for drug use, different things. Then they go back, and they might order your medical records. So from the time that you submit the application to the time the insurance company has gotten all of their information and make a review and make an offer, this could be 6 weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks, 14 weeks. Bottom line is it's not generally really quick. So, uh, and you work really closely with the individual as they're going through this process. I am absolutely here to answer their questions, answer their concerns, It's not unusual during a review of medical records where another doctor's name comes up. So I might reach out to the client and say, when did you see Dr. Johnson and what was that for? Or we see that you had, you know, a follow-up exam. When was that completed? How can we get those additional records? I try to stay in touch because it can be a little bit nerve-wracking waiting to hear. But I do want to touch 
base with our various, you know, insureds, clients, and make certain they understand the process and what's happening. Well, and I always hear you say it could take a long time, and I think just setting the expectation early makes sense. We had a, a client many, many years ago who hadn't seen a doctor in 40 years, and she was really proud of that fact because she hadn't needed to go to the doctor in 40 years. And as a matter of fact, the insurance company wouldn't even take any interest in the application until she went and had a physical. So sometimes people will say, is it, you know, bad that I go to the doctor or maybe I shouldn't go and get notes put in my file. But really the most important thing I think insurance company cares about is that you're taking care of your health, not ignoring your health. It's managing what you have happening with your circumstances and the follow-up and the follow-through with the doctors. Now, one of the things, too, that, that I always like to highlight, maybe you can talk about it, is sometimes Karen mentioned earlier before the break that group insurance, and a lot of times people will say, I have plenty of insurance through work, and, uh, and oftentimes the dollar amount is sufficient, but uh, the lack of portability is something that is important for them to understand, as well as how the insurance policies are rated. And could you explain a little bit about that? And what I'll say to that, Julie, is that for the average young person, the group insurance policies are relatively affordable. And generally, they offer supplemental coverage that you can pay for personally and get more insurance. But those premiums are age-banded, so every couple years your rates are going to go up. And they get to the point when you're actually closer to your retirement years where they're not even affordable anymore because they've gone up so much. Typically, you can get a certain amount without going through any underwriting whatsoever, so maybe an additional hundred to 250000 above your group plan. Sometimes there are some options to take it with you and convert it to permanent life insurance, but again, at what cost? Those policies are typically written at smoker rates or non-smoker rates. If you're better than average health, you're losing out on the opportunity to lock in that better than average health. Well, and that's the thing to understand is if you're going to take group insurance, the benefit is that you don't have to go through underwriting typically. Um, but the downside is that you're lumped in with the averages. So if you are a better than average risk or a better than average health, you may be able to go get a policy that is actually in your own name that you get to keep for less money. People automatically say they want to use the supplemental option through work, but if you're a better than average risk, you may have actually better luck going out and getting a policy on your own. Now, if you're a below average risk, and we've had people come into the office who have not would not qualify for underwriting, then the first place we look is any supplemental options at work because um, that may be their only option. So again, it's something we need to look at case by case with each individual. But also, if you lose, if you lose, if you leave your job, you are going to end up not having that insurance typically. Yeah. Yeah, and if you're not insurable, you may not have an option. So. You may have none. Yeah. Right. Right. So you know, one thing we didn't talk about when we were talking about types of insurance, term life insurance, most plans have a conversion option. So you are lo- not only are you locking in your premium for up to 30 years, you could be locking in your health today with yeah. the opportunity to convert mm-hmm. that to permanent life insurance without underwriting 20 years from now, 25 years from now. It's an invaluable feature because people's lives change and their health may change too. Well, so <laughs> even with a term policy, you don't want to uh, for sure stop it when the term runs out. Again, you want to look at it and you want to have somebody help you review that. And I think also looking at your family, your family history, and seeing what are the types of things that your parents maybe have had to struggle with and just being aware 
just being aware of, of your own health. Yeah, absolutely. Good. So the underwriting process isn't as scary as it seems. <laughs> it's but really it, not. But it's important to have somebody go through that with you and to have that advocate kind of help you through it. And what I would say, Julie, is if we go to an insurance company and we don't get the underwriting we're looking for, we first of all try to negotiate and get it. Or potentially something we've discovered during the underwriting process may be more attractive to a different insurance company. And then we just switch over from company A to company B. Because... We are not tied to any insurance company, have no objective or agenda to say, I want you to buy this insurance policy. We're really here to help and advocate for our clients. Yeah, that's great. Good. Well, Diane, thank you. Let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, I would like to talk a little bit about um, your newsletter article, the top six things not to do with a life insurance policy, because um, that we hear a lot about that. And, and the thing is, is before you make a decision on what to do with an insurance policy, it's really important to evaluate it because typically once that decision is made, it's fairly irreversible. So I look forward to covering that when we get back after the break. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Julie Ellen Becker, president of the Ellen Becker Investment Group. Ellen Becker Investment Group has two locations, one in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive in the Town Bank Building. And our second location is the Village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank Building. We are also able to service clients now in Bonita Springs, Florida. So certainly check out ellenbecker.com for more details. My guest today is Diane Gastrow. And if you like what you're hearing or you want to share this information with somebody else, feel free to send them to our webpage because there will be a podcast and a recording of this show as well as information on Diane specifically and several newsletter articles and uh things relating to the topic of life insurance. Karen Ellenbecker is also joining us today because we are excited to be recording right here in our new Ellenbecker Investment Group radio studio in our Pewaukee office. So next time you're here, ask for a little tour and we'll happily show you the studio. Uh, So Diane, thank you very much again for being my guest today. And we've talked a lot about types of insurance. We've talked about the underwriting process. Now in this last uh, 10 minutes or so that we have, I'd really like you to share with our listeners um, some of the things that we ought not be doing with our current insurance policies. And I know the one thing that you've brought up in a couple different segments already today is don't do it alone. And that's something that we think is really important when it comes to all financial planning disciplines is making sure that you have somebody to talk to about it, that you have somebody to bounce ideas off of, and that you really have an advocate. And so um, we definitely recommend that you don't do an insurance review on your own and that you find a licensed insurance specialist, somebody who actually understands not only your needs, but how your policy works and can help you understand what the tax implications and structure of the overall policy is. And, and we're so happy that you you are here to do that for our clients. Um, but what other types of um, pieces of advice do you have for our listeners? Well, in a recent Ellen Becker newsletter article, I wrote about a client who was going to outlive their life insurance. And that is my second point in the things not to do with the life insurance policy is don't skip policy reviews. Whether it's term life insurance or permanent life insurance, sometimes you think you understand how the contract works, but there's a lot of moving parts in some of these plans. 
And the worst thing that could happen is now you're in your later years and you're sick, but your policy is about to lapse and you don't have the resources to support it. Where do you go? So we try not to let people get caught in a circumstance where they don't understand what they have and why they have it. We don't want a policy to lapse unexpectedly. In addition, we want to make certain that people have the right amount of insurance. I'm working with a gentleman right now that um, doesn't need as much life insurance as he has. He's going into a different phase of his life. So we're going to help him adjust some of his spending by reducing that contract. So don't skip a policy review. Make certain it's performing the way it's supposed to. Make certain that if your health has changed, maybe it's gotten better. Maybe you could get a better contract. How often do you suggest doing a policy review? I would say at least every two to three years. Okay. And that's something that whoever sold the policy to you really is responsible for doing with you, correct? In theory, yes, but unfortunately a lot of people get involved in the insurance industry and they don't maintain a career in the insurance industry. I know very few circumstances where it was an individual that was trying to take advantage of clients. Sometimes there's a misunderstanding and then that person's no longer in the industry and here's this orphaned policy that nobody's watching out for. Okay. Good. And then one of the other things that you wrote in this article is not to necessarily name the generic estate as the beneficiary. What do you mean by that? Well, when we work with our clients and we help them establish their estate plan and very often including a trust, you don't want to name the estate as the beneficiary because then it goes outside of your planned um, designations and it could be subject to probate. So by naming someone as the beneficiary, specifically an individual or potentially that family trust, it avoids the probate and gets passed on to the beneficiaries in the manner you wanted when you set it up. So really, it's important to understand if the beneficiary should be the revocable living trust or a human beneficiary, or as we talk about many times with our clients, a charity. Life insurance is a nice place to list a charity if that's in, in your wishes. And sometimes it's for business planning purposes. So you want to make certain that does it make sense to have the business be the beneficiary or is it your business partner that becomes the beneficiary? And that takes us all the way back to number one. We have to understand, you know, the tax consequences of some of your decisions. For sure. Great. Um, What about canceling a policy or letting one lapse? Well, there's a couple different things that can happen there. If you say, well, I don't really need insurance anymore or I can't afford it anymore and you just cancel it and take the cash value, There could be tax implications on doing that. If there's more cash value in the contract than the premiums you've paid, it becomes taxable. And and I'm certainly not a tax advisor, so I'm not going to give tax advice, but I want people to be aware of some of these. Also, you let a term policy lapse or even a permanent policy lapse, and you're no longer insurable, but you need insurance. So we just have to make cognitive choices and decisions. And sometimes people have loans on their existing policies. It's not uncommon to borrow money, you know, to fund a college education or to fund a wedding or buy a car. If you don't make an active decision how to manage that loan as part of the policy, it can over time totally erode the value of the life insurance and, again, trigger unexpected tax consequences. So it's really important before you cancel a policy or you allow a policy to lapse that you talk with an advisor. And it's important to understand, too, just because you are going through underwriting or applying for a new policy, that it actually isn't enforced, that you don't really have that new policy until the insurance company makes you an offer 
and you complete the paperwork and you write the check. So I've had clients in the past go through underwriting and say, well, should I just cancel my policy now? And and it's really important to understand that you do not cancel a policy or let a policy lapse without really understanding what you're giving up because it's it's highly unlikely that you'll be able to get that policy back in force um, after a cancellation or letting it lapse. And like you said, a policy is not in force until the check has been written and sent to the new insurance company. And if something unexpected happens and your underwriting doesn't come back the way you thought it was going to, you may not have insurance. And that would be just a tragedy from my perspective. Yes, yes. So what about taking cash distributions? You talked a little bit about a loan, um, but what about uh, not understanding how cash is distributed from a contract? There are some wonderful tax um, benefits that you can access the life insurance cash values if you do it properly. But the IRS has very specific tax rules on how you can access the money and when it's taxable and when it's not taxable. So again, that takes me back to don't do it alone. We have to evaluate it and certainly understand the implications to the future performance of the policy, as well as if you're triggering some unexpected taxes. And people that take money from a cash value policy before 59 and a half could even have penalties if they don't do it according to the IRS guidelines. So it's not as simple as it might seem. (laughs) (laughs) It it can be quite complicated. complicated. Okay. All right, good. And you have one more hint for us here. Um, Yeah, I said, you know, we touched briefly on employer policies. Very often we work with business partners on buy-sell planning or key person funding. But in years past, employers used to actually buy life insurance policies on their employees and didn't notify them that there was life insurance on them. And this came to light a number of years ago. So there's some great tax laws or some great rules and things that if I do not give you consent to have insurance on me, you can be fined and penalized as my employer. So being really aware of not only your employee provided life insurance, but also if there's any other life insurance on you from your employer. Absolutely. And most times people are fully cognizant of it today in our environment. But historically, there were some employers that thought they'd make a lot of money getting coverage on some of their employees. Well, I think this has been really helpful, Diane. Thank you for sharing all of this information with us. The important thing to remember is that you can always call us at ellenbecker.com or 262-691-3200 to learn more about our insurance planning division or the overall financial plan for um, for our clients. So don't hesitate to reach out, check us out online, grab a newsletter, or listen to some of our uh, blogs and uh podcasts and radio shows and everything else that we're putting on our webpage that's all a little new to me. So, um, But, yes, don't hesitate to reach out. And, Karen, thank you for joining us today in the studio. It's always fun to be in here with you. Um, and so don't forget that Money Sense airs both on Saturdays and Sundays, Saturdays from 2 to 3 and Sundays from 12 to 1. And, as always, we hope that we have made a difference in your personal and financial well-being And remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Have a great day.